Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and, in fact, available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and as a part of the Locked On Ole Miss's podcast, to have people on the show all the time, that's anybody and everybody around Ole Miss sports. Brad Logan from Inside the Rebels is joining the show this Thursday evening. We're on a real white commitment day eve on um, Brad Logan. Yeah, I think that's the the next one that I can everybody's kind of looking for. The real white, a talented wide receiver, four-star out of Ocean Springs, Mississippi plays at St. Martin High School. Ole Miss was in on him early and uh ended up committing to Arkansas. As we all know now, he decommits from Arkansas and I think the tea leaves, for the lack of a better word, are pointing towards Ole Miss. Yeah, that's exactly. There, even though there was some drama that popped up about rumors from, I guess, competitive sites, we'll just put it like that, that said he might put off his announcement. He actually announced the announcements this morning um, on his Twitter feed to tune in at 10 a.m. Central Time on Friday morning. If that happens, tune into the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast because we'll be doing a live stream reaction just like we did with Camarian Franklin as well. Now, Brad, Ole Miss is going through what they are calling a week of giving. Um, their day of collection was Monday. They raised like $1.7 million in that singular day. How is this week as a whole gone? I think it's monumental for the future of the program. Now, Lane Kiffin talked about on the day of giving that this is just the day that we know right now that the future is probably not going to look like it looks right now in regards to NIL. Legislation's being talked about. Their collectives in a in a in a group of collectives, I think, will be a governing body over the overseeing what we're going to see. I think more than anything the players are always going to be compensated for their their name, image, and likeness. I don't think it'll be to the extent of what we're seeing right now. I think this is just kind of a, a situation to where we'll look back on this and think, wow, that was a wild time in college football. I think we are closer to some form of legislation than we, we have been in quite a while. I think Lane Kiffin is kind of leading that charge. Um, in regards to giving, I mean, you know, you, you just noted $1.7 million. That is uh, paramount to building a program. I just tweeted out a graphic that Chris Beard's uh, transfer class, there were four, four or five star players that pending NCAA approval will be on the floor, not to mention two, four stars that have committed to the program. It is a new day in recruiting, specifically basketball in the men's division and football. And I think when Tyler Jordan or Tyler Jordan of a real tree came out and made a, a pretty substantial donation to the NIL uh, collective, it went over a million dollars. Eventually they would get $700,000 additional. It was a monster day. And, and I think with that type of giving and the way that Matt McLaughlin inside the Ole Miss athletic foundation, along with Denson Hollis, they kind of manufactured and kind of talked amongst Keith Carter and that group inside the Ole Miss uh, administration and got that day of giving together. I mean, you talk about that amount of money. I mean, that is it. That is earth changing mon money when you talk uh, 1.7 million, not to mention what's going to be given the remainder of this week. I'll be interested to see what the final total is at the end of the week. Only thing we saw, you know, publicly was that day of giving on Monday, but there's so many things going on behind the scenes. I'm really excited to get the text message of how much was raised by the end of the week. 
So do you have any idea of what the goal was from this day of collection? I, I do not. I think I will learn more. Uh, I've got a conversation uh, coming with one of the administrators by the end of the week to find out how much they raise and, and kind of the goal going into that. But that was one of my questions. And uh, I got a 30-second answer that didn't answer the question. So I'm not sure what uh, the goal was. I'm sure there was one, uh, but I was not uh, you know, led to believe what, what that goal is. Yeah, no, no matter they may how had, much they, they, they may not have had one. I mean, yeah, they may have yeah. just said, let's just see what we can do. Yeah, no matter what they get, that's $1 more than what the goal was. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> once again, I can't say enough for Matt Denson and that athletic foundation office, along with Keith Carter and, uh, of course, Walker Jones has kind of led the charge. This was a collective effort. I thought the video, uh, the, I thought the content of itself, of course, I'm looking at the green screen and looking at the graphics. I, I thought it was flawless. Uh, I, I thought they did a wonderful job inside the administration. Uh, they obviously filmed that or not. They didn't film it. It was live. They streamed that inside the Manning center. And uh, I, I'm just, I, I'm just really, uh, really blown away at the production process of that. And uh, you know, how much money they raised on top of that. Yeah. If, if, any, if I, they're not probably not going to ask me, but if you were to get, give some constructive criticism, because this is obviously going to become an annual or semi-annual thing that they do is they need a four director, kind of a traffic clock cop, because they would have 320, 330 concurrent viewers during the actual broadcast, and they'd go to their break, and it was a little bit long, and when they'd come back, it'd be at 220, 230. They would lose a lot of viewers that were tuned in. So maybe a traffic cop, a four director, and um, a little bit shorter breaks, and they've, they've got a pretty nice setup for what they're doing, and like little tweaks here and there, and this thing could really blow up. Yeah, I, I think uh, obviously I wasn't there, but I was watching with everyone else. I think a lot of that delay was just, you know, transferring mics and, and honestly getting coaches there uh, and getting the, the the guests there and set up. I, and if you notice, Lane Kiffin was last, but Matt came on for a segment just because nobody told me this, but knowing Lane, he was probably late. And uh, but but now when he did show up, he had some great content. I thought David asked some great questions along with Walker Jones. And uh, I just thought it was a great event. Um, you know, you would know much more about the video element than me. But uh, just from a, a non-video uh, guy, I thought it was really good. I thought the production was good. The audio was good. Uh, wasn't a lot of skips in the audio at all. And, uh, you know, I didn't look at the numbers specifically. But judging by the, the number of the numbers given, I, I would expect it would be uh, pretty substantial. Yeah, I would imagine this is going to be something that we're going to see on a semi-regular basis. And that recruiting room, I think that's the recruiting theater is where it was filmed at. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, that's nice. Yeah, the Manning Center, uh, the media was was able to give to get a tour of that back on the 10th. And uh, from all the information that I've received, it is a top-of-the-line, um, you know, everything that you could imagine that the student-athlete needs. And uh, I think it says a lot about a lot of the social channels we've seen, you know, obviously, you know, we, we may talk about this or not, but the Jaffe kid that, that Ole Miss uh, got committed along with uh, Bloomfield. And then we saw Cam Franklin retweet a Bloomfield uh, graphic that had SIP made and had all the players uh, that had committed from the state of Mississippi. That, that I mean, that stuff moves the needle. And um, you can't say enough about Kelvin Bolden and uh, Alex Falk who have, really done a great job on the social channels promoting Ole Miss 
and making sure that Ole Miss's name gets out there in front of student athletes, being part of those Facebook groups, and then obviously very vibrant on Instagram and Twitter. And you even talked about on your show about how Instagram has really taken a uh, a step up for Instagram Live for that that sort of thing. So uh, they're very vocal on those channels, and that has obviously I don't know that it played a factor in a lot of these Mississippi kids recruiting to Ole Miss, but. It sure didn't hurt. And, and everything that I've heard from the coaching staffs across the state of Mississippi in regards to high schools, they can't say enough about uh, the social media team. And we've seen that that skull, uh, that skull account that that, that that talks about interactions and tracks that sort of thing. Ole Miss is always in the top three to five every year. So, and then this year, I think the last graphic I saw, they were number two behind Texas. So, they're definitely making the waves around the social challenge and just being at the front of things. I think that goes in line with what we're talking about right now. Being in front, get in front of this NIL, get in front, get the money while the getting's good. Don't wait until you lose a game against Alabama and then start giving on the Monday. Start the giving when everybody's fired up and you're undefeated. And I thought that was a great move by the administration. Yeah, you know they planned this. This probably planned for a couple of weeks to do sure. this on um, yeah. this day of collection. Yeah, you can't throw that Franklin. thing together. You know. Yeah, and that Cam Franklin happens. I think Walker it's, Jones it's, it's, just had yeah. to be like Scrooge McDuck that day. Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of luck involved in that, uh, getting that big Cam Franklin commitment. And to say that that didn't excite the entire fan base and uh, the people that, that, that cover recruiting kind of looking back and saying, well, he's he's going to Auburn. Hugh Freeze has come in and swept him away. And uh, I, I guarantee the Ole Miss fan base is excited that they have, uh, have, have stuck it to Auburn before they even play on the field. I mean, I, I think that game uh, on October the 21st, against Auburn is going to be one for the ages. Uh, Hugh's going to be fired up. And look, people are underestimating Lane Kiffin. You don't think he understands what this means? You don't think this means anything to him? I encourage you, if you follow Ole Miss football on Twitter, look the day that Cam uh, Franklin committed. You can see about three or four people come running out of the stands. and They hand the phone to Lane Kiffin and watch his reaction and tell me it doesn't mean anything to him. You know, um, and and this is just a rumor. I've heard nothing, but this is a rumor that's going around the fan base at the time being. The rumor is the source um, of the John Sokoloff thing from way back in November was Hugh Freeze. And I, I don't know. Yeah, nobody knows that. Like I said, it's a rumor. Um, I mean, but back, back when it was going on, I mean, everybody pretty much pinpointed the source of this was absolutely John Cohen because mm -hmm. of John Cohen's relationship, who was at Mississippi State, obviously transitioned yeah. to the director of athletics at Auburn the week of the Auburn-Mississippi State game. So, I mean, that that's kind of what we all thought. Uh, and then uh, there's there, there's obviously been a lot of talk, but the, it, at the time, that's what we thought the, that source was. But of course, that was the the perfect person. Just just out of curiosity, why would why would Hugh leak that? Um, so that Lane would not be the candidate for the job. Yeah. To blow that up. Uh, so you know, it's like I said, it's well, all conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. And conspiracy theories and everything. The fan base is going to do that all the time. But the point that I was going to make um, after that is if everybody's noticed the Auburn social media presence attacking Ole Miss people online and the comments that they yeah. have about Ole Miss, it is the most bizarre thing that I have seen. I, I've seen people talk about that. I haven't really followed it very closely. Um, I think, you know, uh, I, I, with with Hugh being the head coach over there, I mean, there's obviously going to be an element of, you know, enhanced 
you know, enthusiasm for the rivalry. Uh, Auburn Ole Miss has always been a pretty good rivalry. And, you know, I just think this ratchets the pressure up even more. I haven't seen any really, you know, anything amped up anymore, but I do expect by the time the game uh, comes, uh, like we said, coming up October 21st in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I, I do think that will be ramped up uh, on steroids for sure. Yeah, that, that game's going to be a, a zoo. I'm expecting primetime Jordan Hare horseshoes, the whole nine yards um, to come out that night. Um, anyway, let's turn our attention away because we are about to get into game week. We are in single digits away from the Ole Miss-Mercer game. So I just want to ask this question. How do you see not, – not the score. I mean, I think everybody's assuming that Ole Miss is going to win this game fairly comfortably. But if you want to think about what this Ole Miss football team looks like and how it goes, how do you think this Mercer game is going to go? Um, you know, we know what the offense is. We know it's Jackson Dart's team. We know Quinchon Jukins is a phenomenal running back. I mean, yeah, maybe we're looking to see what wide receivers step up, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm looking at two positions. I'm looking at linebacker to see what Monty Montgomery looks like. John Jean Baptiste. I want to see what Asanchi Sisfront looks like. I'm looking at Sunterine Perkins. The second position I'm looking at is defensive backfield. Who's going to be a, take a big step in that defensive backfield? We know uh, that DeAndre Prince, who just came upon some legal issues, we uh, he was set out of practice. I think you know the reports are out there that he's beginning to practice again. But is Asim Young? Is Ladari Tennyson? Is he going to be okay? He had that uh, leg injury. We've heard that. Uh, that uh, Tennyson has been walked up a little bit to the linebacker slot. Um, so I'm just – I think as an Ole Miss fan, there's a cause of concern in the defensive backfield. If anything, we haven't seen them live since the loss of Davis and Igbenosin, Tysheem, uh Johnson, and also Miles Battle. So there are question marks there. You know, you bring in players like Deshaun Gaddy. I've heard good things about him this fall camp. Uh, we, you know, I've heard good things about Montgomery and – and 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 I and Sistrunk and those players coming along, but until you see it, and when you see it in person, uh, you know we'll go from there. But that's definitely the two positions I'm looking at. And obviously, you fast forward the following week down in Tulane. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. People are talking about Tulane running the table. If Ole Miss can't go down to Tulane and beat them by 14 points, then they may you know may not win more than four or five games. I mean, if you can't beat Tulane then can you beat Arkansas, Georgia, A&M, uh, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, LSU, Alabama, and Mississippi State? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So are we making too much out of this? Or we, uh, what are we doing? But those are the two positions I'm looking at. Yeah, the, the two-lane game is weird because two-lane had a generational-type running back. Ty J. Spears is lighting it up for the Titans right now. Mm -hmm. He is the reason they beat USC. He is the reason they won 10 games. Not Michael Pratt. Yeah, not Michael Pat. It was Ty J. Spears. Right. Now, with right now, that two-lane team, and I honestly record this, clip it, bookmark it, do whatever you have to do. Vanderbilt would beat Tulane. Vanderbilt has a better team than Tulane. Well, this year's and again, I'm a little bullish mm -hmm. on Tulane. I mean, I'm sorry, on Vanderbilt this year. I think Clark Lee has I got love more. Vandy. I'm the, team Vandy. I think he's got more in the cupboard than he has. I think it wouldn't surprise me if Vanderbilt won six games and went bowling this year. So, but yeah, I agree. I think Vandy beats Tulane by two touchdowns. Yeah. I think people look at what Tulane did last. It's all recency bias and the last data point, and they want to stretch that out for eternity. But whenever you lose a running back like Ty J. Spears, who was the best player that Tulane has had since what Matt Forte, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you, you, you can't overstate that. Now, Tulane's going to be a well-coached team. They're going to play hard. Michael Pratt is a good little quarterback, but Michael Pratt is a quarterback that was like 10 of 25 for 120 yards against USC. And USC is known for having a Charmin extra soft defense. So, I mean, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's well, there's point. one position that I didn't talk about that I think is a cause of concern, and that's the best defensive front Ole Miss has had in probably 20 years, led by mm-hmm. J.J. Pegues, Stephon Wynn, and then, of course, Cedric Johnson, who's fully healthy. You know, we asked him in media day, How's he, how, how do you feel? And he smiled and said, I'm 100%. I'm ready to go. I think this is the deepest defensive line that Ole Miss has had uh, once again in 20 years, and I think they're going to – if anything, I think being so good and having that depth across that defensive front is going to do nothing but help lend a, a little bit of stability to the linebacking core and to the secondary. I'm honestly not as worried about the linebacker play as I am the secondary because the linebacker play, I think, can be okay with Montgomery, with Baptiste coming in with Perkins, and then coming in with Tennyson walking him up. And then, of course, we talked about Asante Sistrunk. So I think that's not as much of a concern. But as long as that defensive front's putting pressure on the quarterback and doing its job, keeping those guards, keeping those uh, fullbacks off of the linebackers, I think that's just going to help the defensive backfield too. Yeah, the, the, if you want to look at the, my position, if you've listened to my show at all, um, the position that I am most worried about on Ole Miss's team is safety. Not yeah, worried about I, corner. I'm worried about safety. Uh, yeah. And and I, they're they're kind of in show me mode. Can Aishim Young not be that box safety type Chris Partridge type linebacker that he's our defensive back safety that he has been for the last three years and play more of a three free free flowing defense that Pete Golding wants to have done? Can he do it? Ladarius Tennyson has already been moved down to linebacker. Which, real quick, I think yeah. that says a lot about how Trey Washington has come on. You know, we, mm-hmm. we watched Trey Washington in the scrimmage that was open to the media this past Saturday. He got a little bit banged up. What uh, of his right or his left ankle had been – it was heavily taped. But I do think if Trey Washington is healthy, I think that says a lot about why they moved Tennyson down. They feel good about Trey Washington coming in and spelling Aishim Young. But you're right, Aishim Young – uh, didn't show just a ton last year. I wasn't really blown away, so he's got to make a step forward for sure. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Like I said, I'm not necessarily worried about cornerback because I think Zamari Walton and eventually DeAndre Prince and Deshaun Gaddy, they'll, they'll be fine. Um, but the players that are playing inside, they're going to be thing. Hey, have you seen Chris Graves on the transfer from Miami practice yet? I have not. Um Jared Redding, of course, covers um, the team for us at Inside the Rebels and has reported that he is on the official roster. And I'm not sure is if he is officially practiced. And we're not 100% sure that he's cleared by the NCAA. Just because he practices doesn't mean that he's been cleared, uh, from what I understand. Uh, and I may be wrong on that if somebody can correct me that's listening. But um, at the end of the day, I have not seen him. But I know this. If Chris Graves can play, and he is cleared by the NCAA, that is huge news for this Ole Miss defense. That is an immediate depth piece, and that is someone that could eventually start for this team uh, once he gets a grasp of this particular um, defense of uh, Pete Golding, who, by the way, lining it up on the recruiting trail, and from everything that we've heard, 
the adaptation to this type of defense that Pete Golding is running has been a welcomed transition for this defense. Uh, if anything, um, you know, I don't know how talented this team is, but I do feel very confident it will be disciplined, it will know where it's supposed to be, and it will at least play the position like it's supposed to be, regardless of the talent level. So we know that. We are single digits away from actually seeing a toe meat leather. I mean, this week we're going to get like Notre Dame and Navy and USC and San Jose State. Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Van- yeah, yeah, Vanderbilt, Hawaii. I'm going to watch every play of every one of those games just because we've been so star for college football for so long. But we are we are almost a game week, Brad. I'm excited. Um, you know, and then – on top of that, we'll have an entire week to talk about. I don't think that we're going to talk a ton about Mercer. I think we're going to talk about what Ole Miss is going to be looking for during the Mercer game. I think it is a perfect opportunity to get ready for a game against Tulane. You know, they talked about they scrimmaged this past Saturday, and we got an, uh, we got information from the sports information office that they the scrimmage was actually going to be held in the, uh, the hottest part of the day. And I think a lot of that is because they're getting ready for Mercer. They're getting ready for Tulane. And there's been a lot of hand-wringing over this Mercer kickoff time. I think more than anything is Lane Kiffin kind of answered the question. He said, what time do we play Tulane the next week? And it's at 2.30 in New Orleans on a scorching hot turf. So I think it's good for Ole Miss to get that first game. It's not good for the fans. So Keith Carter needs to make sure there's plenty of water and plenty of ice uh, for for the spectators of the game. But I do think it's important. You play that hot game, you get ready, because it's going to be a burner, if anything, uh, is like it is here in North Mississippi. It's going to be a burner down in New Orleans uh, the second week of the season against Tulane. Again, once again, I think Ole Miss should win handily and get ready for the following week when it hosts Georgia Tech. Should be a lot of fun, Georgia Tech coming in. They'll be a lot better. They'll be a lot better than last year. You know, Jeff Collins was on his way out when Ole Miss played him. Uh, they he pretty much uh, cemented that with a forty-two to nothing win on the road in Atlanta. So they'll be a they'll be a favorable foe before Ole Miss heads over to Tuscaloosa on September the twenty-third. Yeah, it's a long way to go um, for anybody that's been following the channel. But we did a video last summer um, with about Georgia Tech and why Georgia Tech is not in the SEC now. We know why they left. We know all that story, but they tried to come back in. And it has to do with Georgia Tech not wanting to come to Oxford and a feud with Johnny Vault between him and Bobby Dodd. Um, so you can go back and watch that video. We did about 25 minutes last June on it. Um, so go check that one out as well. I think we did a pretty good job on it. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Thank you so much, Brad, for stopping by. And I can't wait till game week. Um, hopefully we can talk we can talk a little bit more more frequently now that the games are coming fast and furious. Yeah, it's exciting. The season's here, and um, I think everybody's excited to see what this Ole Miss team's all about. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, man. Thank you.